No boost? No. 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 Short people problems, I understand. We do. Let me, let me pull this away. They, they don't want no, to they don't want to move it. No, they, they can't because the sign's not on there. Oh. <laughs> they, they, Only during the school year, I guess. The teacher. Oh, 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 oh. More. I always wonder what they who they I always wonder who School teacher teachers. The man. Yeah. The man. School teachers. We love school teachers. <laughs> School teachers. How many years? So we love school teachers. Well, thank you. Um, God bless you. Glad to be here. And uh, um, I hope today is uh, something pretty special happens in your heart. Uh, let's um, tell you a little bit about ourselves before we get going. We just want to take a minute of that. Some of you don't know us, and some of you do. Um, um, have you been away for a while? Pardon me? Have we been away for a while? Have we been away for a while? That would be probably yes. Um, about five years, eight, seven, seven, eight years now almost. Seven years. Where did you go? Where did we go to places here and there? Um, um, we, uh, yeah, we're, we're up in Bremerton, Washington. Thank you for asking. Um, up in the northwest. Uh, Puget Sound. Uh, and uh, that's our home base. And uh, from there, um, these days, Breakaway Ministries um, just pretty much go where God's telling us to go. But that's our home base after many, many years, almost 60 years here in Concord, growing up in Concord, actually, in Pleasant Hill, um, forever. And God says, time to go. And so that's what we've been doing. So he's been faithful, as usual, as you know. And so our work is included up there. We opened up a couple offices up in, in uh, Gig Harbor and Silverdale. Um, you, to, where we're at, you have to travel 20, 25 minutes, 45 minutes town to town. So it's not the Bay Area, folks. It is not the Bay Area. And, uh, um, and so we're really honored by God, really, and very humbled. Um, that God, he's just, I, I just thought we were done with that world of private practice, but he says, no, there's a lot of work to be done yet. And uh, I think he gave us time of rest and, and transition and learning. And uh, so we've opened up a couple of offices. One of them is in a church called Chapel Hill. And uh, I, I never thought this would ever happen, but an office, they've opened up the counseling center at um, the church there, large church in, in Gig Harbor. And God has given us the opportunity to minister. And now we're moving into equipping other counselors and um, licensed therapists are moving into their world and lay counselors and, and doing some a lot of marriage mentoring and, and uh, healing work up in the region there. So uh, very, very blessed, uh, so grateful. We do marriage intensives up in our area there. Um, three day, 24 hour work with couples or mini intensives, which is kind of like an all day, one day event or just our time with people. Hour at a shot, an hour a shot means two hours. Um, and uh, we're grateful for that. You want to talk about that still? Yeah, we, um, the Lord's opened some doors just recently. Um, we've been um, going back and forth to Mexico, working with some pastors and pastoral marriages um, for about five years and just waiting for the Lord to um, open doors. And, and um, it finally reached the point, and things just 
First of all, the intimate encounters that we use here was translated into Spanish. Um, yeah, they. Um, uh, in, uh, Great Commandment Ministries gave us permission to use the. They sent us a PDF of it. It's not printed yet, so they sent us a PDF of it and said, "Go ahead and use it and tell us what you think, and if there's any changes that need to be made." So we're kind of beta testing it down there, and the people are very receptive to it. It it really meant a lot that it was in their own language more than anything else. It was really great. Um, <laughs> you're just really close, leaning into me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. I feel like you're hanging on every word, I and I might drop I you. To you. <laughs> I am listening to you. I am in your world. Anyways, the, the couples are wonderful. We have actually, we, um, we're down there once a month. Um, we do one session or one chapter a month. Um, and um, we thought maybe we should do more than that, but I think that that, with translation, so we're speaking, we're in English and it gets translated through a translator and then they do the work and stuff. And, you know, so it takes twice the time and um, they need time to work on it. So we're down there once a month, and um, we have about 18 couples that we're meeting with, a lot of pastors and leaders, leaders in various churches in the area. Um, they were so excited about this after a couple of sessions. We were on like the third session at this point. They've asked us to start another group because they have a lot more people that would like to join us. So um, in a week, next week when we're in Mexico, we'll be having a group on Friday night, a group on Saturday night, and just see where it leads. Um, we're hoping to have at least 18 to 20 couples on Friday night, same amount on Saturday, or that's about what it is on Saturday. So um, it's great. It's like I said, these are pastors and leaders in their churches. And um, I think this the Friday night maybe a few younger couples. Um, yeah. It's it's been really great. Marriages have been. Um, one of the pastors said to us that you know there's um, this is in Ensenada, and um, it's um, in some of the colonies in Ensenada, which are the really poor areas. Colony 89. Anybody familiar with Colony 89 in Ensenada? Um, We've been to a few places in this world, and some of the worst we've seen. Yeah. And so um, the pastor from Colony 89 said, um, you know, there's drugs. We have problems with drugs and alcohol and violence and all of that stuff. But um, the most important thing we need help with is our marriages. Because if we can get our marriages back on track, all the other stuff will take care of itself. So it's, it's very wise. Yeah. So. so that's a few things. And we continue our uh, work down here in the Bay Area once a month. Um, here, still here, eight, nine days a, a month. Uh, uh, we do marketplace relational care. And actually, the, it's called Business as Unusual. We're doing intimate encounters in the marketplace um, framework for that. And we're, we're truck drivers early morning, and dock workers, and <coughs> admin, and <coughs> executive leadership team on how to how, how do you care for one another and how do you care for your home and the we're seeing incredible fruit now it's three years of doing that work and we thought we'd be in and out in a few months and God just says stay there and uh, couldn't write this script 
could not make this stuff up. So it's from Mexico to truck drivers in Dixon. <clears throat> and now we're sitting here with you, and we're just really humbled to be able to do this with you as well. I want to share a few thoughts. We appreciate your prayer, by the way, um, for the work. And uh, we believe the work in Mexico is going to enlarge. Uh, it's moving to Friday. And that we get grounded, and then we believe he's going to move us on, and uh, that's going to go further. I'm not sure what it means. We want to raise people up that they take the message out, and uh, we, we're good with being anonymous. Very, very, very good with that. Um, <clears throat> want to share something that's been in our heart. It's been moving for about four months, and just welling up inside, and uh, some real serious transformational work in the last year for Paulette and I and our family and our life. And we've been through different seasons of transformation, but I don't think we've ever encountered anything like this, especially in those four months, last four months. And so we're sitting there the other morning, whatever morning that was now. Friday. And sharing Friday, um, sharing, and, and uh, they kind of ran into each other again on this and said, well, got some. And uh, um, well, let's do it, and here we are. And uh, <clears throat> So we wanna, wanna um, share a few thoughts. We've been sharing with one another, God's been downloading with, uh, with our hearts, uh, the word and the mentorship around issues that we're, we're uh, working through, and we believe it's a message for the church today. And this church and churches in our community here, the 400 churches in Ensenada, uh, the churches around California, and back to our work in, in, in the, we've been pastors in Alaska to the work back in, in Georgia um, and uh, intermittent contacts but still the churches in America I believe are waking up and we're grateful to the wake up call um, around our country and I believe around the world it's happening and I believe there's a transparency and authenticity that's moving into the body of Christ in our community like never before please listen to that I believe it's happening a little at a time and now it's starting the floodgates, kind of like Mexico. We've been chipping away at that work for many years now. And just, just loving pastors and their spouses and, and, and doing the, the, uh, the workshops and marriage intensives and one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one with nonprofit leaders and just kind of plowing, plowing very, very difficult ground. In fact, actually it's 35 years of doing our work in our work, in our career, and of plowing hard ground. And it's been tough, quite frankly. It hasn't been easy. And now we're starting to see something happen, like never before. Metaphorically, you know what it is to plant a, uh, a tree or a flower in the Bay Area, right? To dig, you know, we know we need the hard ground here because there's 20 feet down, there's a whole bunch of water. So we don't have the hard ground that's beneath us, we're sinking. So we understand the value. However, to plant a plant in the Bay Area, in Concord, right? We all know this, right? Or Antioch, you need a stamping bar, you need a jackhammer, just to do like, you know, like plant an Elysium roof, you know? And, and uh, um, that's the ground, quite frankly, the work that we have done through the years that God has allowed us to do, and we're so humbled by it and grateful, and yet sometimes, quite frankly, we wanted to give up. So what's the point? This is too hard, quite frankly. Way too hard, literally, in so many areas. And our move to, up to the northwest is really interesting. You know, when we put a shovel in the ground up north, the shovel goes in. It just kind of sinks right into the ground, and then you kind of lift the shovel out, and you got a big old pile of dirt and softness and earth. And you look down in the ground, literally, we were doing this, 
and kind of like put the shovel in, almost didn't have, you know that thing you do, you kind of mm -hmm. put your foot on it, mm -hmm. you almost don't have to do that. But you do it, and then you have a big old hole there. And I look at Paul that, and I said, there's a big hole in the ground. <laughs> and we're kind of like looking at this hole in the ground, and that's what's happening, we believe in our church. Our church, God's church, not our church, God's church. And the, the churches around this world, churches in our nation are waking up. We're so grateful to our mentors, David and Teresa Ferguson, that have been a part of that movement for over 20 years, well over 20 years, have been plowing the same ground. We've just been, you know, we've been uh, listening to them and being, being next to them and uh, being encouraged. Um, I would encourage you to, to consider uh, the Grace Church out of Akron, Ohio. Jeff Bogue is the lead pastor there. He's got quite a story. Um, he's written a book called Living Naked. Please write it down. Please read it. I hope you'll absorb it. The Leadership Catalyst Group down in Los Angeles. Um, John Lynch. Bill Hull. And the other guys. Um, there's a few. They have a whole crew down there. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's a, a work called The Cure. I want to encourage you to read it. Um, and this is our basis for our time. I'm just kind of sharing with you. We're so grateful for people who have been speaking into our life. Something's happened in us. Now we're just, we're not to keep it. We're to give it. That's been our life. We're to give it. So these guys are, uh, they're trueface.org. Trueface.org. Um, check it out and see what happens. See what happens to your heart and your soul. You'll see even more so what um, the crew here, the, the, the team of six actually in this, this room on Sunday mornings that have really been bringing the word and caring for people, sharing authentically in so many different ways. It'll shine a light on the work that's been going on here over a while, and as you guys have been plowing yourselves. So I want to encourage you, we want to give credit to where credit is due with these different mentors in our life, and now we just want to uh, extend out to you, okay? It's fair enough? So I want to give you a foundation of where we're coming from. So here we go. You ready? Ready, ready for something real? I know it's a real class, so it's not much of a question, actually. Um, what if I were to say to you that in Genesis, and please don't run out of here. Please don't run out of here. <laughs> what if I were to say to you that in Genesis, when Adam and Eve um, we're walking around together um, without clothing. They were naked, right? Mm -hmm. What if I said to you they weren't naked? It says they're naked in the Word, right? Just kind of, just kind of walking around. Because how do I know that? Because when they messed up, they recognized they were. So what if I said to you before the fall, before they messed up, before they made that bad decision? Quite frankly, a prideful decision. Um, what would you say? To me, just kind of, you guys don't know me, really. I'm saying, wait a minute, yeah, yeah, they were. I said, no, they weren't. What if I said, no, they weren't naked? What do you say? What do you say? Speak up. I would say, what do you mean? Good. I mean, explain, in what way? explain yourself. Explain yourself. <laughs> explain yourself. What do you base that on? Good, thank you. Show me. What are you talking about, Willis? What are you talking to? Yes, and, uh, I would say they were. Um, what did you say? They were naked. They weren't naked. I'm saying they weren't naked. Oh, okay. But I say I think they were because they were innocent at the time, and uh, they didn't have all this baggage until later. So yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Good. Good. 
What else? Yeah, what you show me? Is it show, show me? Show me. What the St. Louis people? <laughs> Anybody else? Give it a shot here. So what do you mean? Explain yourself. What are you talking about? Well, what, what if we said that, that, I mean, based on the Word of God, and I'll just kind of paraphrase, you know, read for yourself, that the Word of God says they, they messed up. You know, when, we know what Lucifer did. And we forget, you know, if we read closely, what did Lucifer appeal to for them, by the way? He appealed to that, you know, that, that you'll be like God. He's, a, you know, he's concerned that you'll be like God if you take that, you know, go to that tree. He appealed, how about this, that he appealed to their pride. Well, wait a minute, there wasn't sin in the garden. I'm not saying there was before that time. I'm just saying, wait a minute, he appealed to pride. He had to have. How do I know that? They went where they went. It doesn't say that in there. Please read it close. Because we know what Lucifer, what happened with Lucifer, right? He knew what to work. My goodness, he was an angel, correct? Well, an angel of darkness now. But he, he brought something that appealed to them. There's something in their, in their makeup that God was aware of. He never took choice away. They weren't walking around like robots in the garden. And I think we forget that he appealed, the enemy of our soul, even then, appealed to their base nature of pride that we all have. Please read it, so don't take my word for it. Well, <clears throat> then they went where they went. And they were naked and afraid. They went and hid. We know that in Genesis. They, they went and hid. And, and the man and woman heard God coming, took off. They're ashamed, afraid, and hid. And then they did what? They covered themselves with clothing. Now, so they, their own. They took some whatever they took and covered themselves because they, they realized that something was wrong, that they were naked. But they weren't like that before because there's so much innocence and there was just so much purity. There was just so much God. And that's my point, that they weren't naked. Because why? They were clothed with God. They had the clothing of God on them. What the heck does that mean? Clothing of God, you know? Um, no, they're naked. No, they weren't. Their eyes from inside out, everything about them, most everything about them, um, clothed in the New Testament. Colossians 3, 12 through 15, check it out, and actually through 17, I'll paraphrase. For, there's eight points in Colossians 3, 12 that are crucial. But quite frankly, in the garden, only half of those were there because that's all that was needed. Their mess up brought the other four in Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Compassion, they were wearing, I believe, based on the word of God, they're already wearing kindness. Compassion, actually, compassion was the first thing. The second thing was kindness. The third thing was humility, a lifestyle. The fourth thing was gentleness. They were already clothed in that in the garden, is my suggestion here. Why do I know that? Because God... He, he doesn't change. He wants that for us. He wants us to be clothed in that, in those things, those areas. I think you're going to be talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and love chapter. There are several attributes of God that he has always been, he's always had, he's always lived in, he's always wanted desired for us. He wants us to wear those clothes. He's always wanted us to wear those clothes in 1 Corinthians 13. It's not some novel 
um, a message to us to put some that stuff on so now we can live in love. It has always been because he's always been. I'm suggesting in the garden, he's always wanted us to wear those clothes. He's always had us wearing those clothes. But now through Jesus Christ especially. And I'm suggesting Adam and Eve was wearing 1 Corinthians 13 all along. Were they naked? I would suggest no. And yes, you can figure that one out. I would say yes, because they were naked. I would say no, because they weren't naked. Because they were clothed by the Spirit of God even then. Why do I know that? The Spirit of God was there. Was he or was he not? <coughs> clothed with Jesus, was he or was he not? Were they or were they not? Of course, our dad, our father, no question about it. So I know that's an odd thought. And then I ask you, wait a minute. Then wait a minute. They, okay, they were clothed with that, good stuff. And then they moved into their decision, quite frankly, their pride decision, and moved into clothing themselves. And we jump ahead several centuries, just go through the scripture. What kind of clothing have we been putting on since? How about our clothing now? Check out Living Naked again, going back to reiterate. Um, Jeff does a pretty doggone good job and say, what kind of clothing are we wearing today? Really, I'm talking about your spiritual clothing, your emotional clothing, your, your physical clothing. What are you, how are you walking around today? What's God showing you about you? I've already asked you that question. It's a rhetorical question. Please don't answer. What kind of clothing are you wearing today? Who are you today? Who knows you today? Now we're kind of going to another level here. Who knows you today? Who do you know today? What kind of clothes do you put on every day? And we've learned to put on clothing in the house of God, in the church of God, that perpetuates uh, a mask wearing, a masquerading. We didn't mean to. Guilty right here. I'm talking to me right now. I would not put this on you. I'm just talking to me. You'd be the judge of you. I just understand what God has been speaking to us and showing us the, the lethality of the masquerading we have learned through centuries and in the name of faith, we've, we thought we've been taking them off, taking those masks off. We would suggest that faith, now uh, point two, please don't run out number two. Please don't run out number two question. Um, is it possible that part of the clothing we've been wearing for a long time is our faith? I'm talking about clothing that isn't, doesn't suit us very well. Wait, our faith is clothing that isn't doing us good? How about yes? I'm saying yes. Absolutely. Holy Spirit of God has downloaded that into us, that our faith has driven us to put on clothing that is unhealthy and, and keeps us distant and keeps us isolated relationally. What do you say about that idea? Is it another explain yourself? <laughs> what do you think about that? Your faith is clothing that has hurt you. My faith is clothing that has hurt me and covered me, just like the garden. I put on the leaves, I cover myself up because I'm afraid and ashamed I'm going to hide and wear my clothing. And now I'm walking in faith. I've accepted Jesus. I'm not questioning your love for God. Please, when I say that, I'm not questioning Jesus inside of you, Romans 8, 9, and 10. I'm not questioning him living inside of you. And yet our faith somehow has become, the, become a driving force for who we are. And it's a clothing that has hurt us, relationally especially, which is the second part of 1 Thessalonians 5.23. He says spirit and soul. 
your mind and your emotions, your will, and I would suggest even attitude in that, that definition, along with your body. So what do you say about that? Your faith is actually the clothing of faith that you've learned to wear in the house of God, in your learning, in your career, in your life, in your discipleship, has hurt you. What do you say about that question? Does that bother you that I'm saying that? Questioning? Is it more, what, do you, what do you say? I believe so then it's so I'm gonna distance myself. I'm gonna yeah, you you really don't understand me because I'm walking in faith. I certainly don't understand you, although I know what it means to walk without faith. But somehow now I've you turn into a this into a kind of a hierarchy that I understand and you don't. Is that what you mean? Is that I'm paraphrasing you though, I'm kinda of adding but it does does it creates distance. shirt is that? What kind of blouse is that? What kind of sock is that? I think I think about uh, something uh, that's what hit me when you were saying it. I kind of answered it with your prayer and uh, uh, the way you said it. Um, it is a, I think it's something that faith can, it gives life but it also kills. Um, and James talks about how at least the dead works if it's not demonstrated in life. So That's true. It says it's a faith, but it's a dead faith. It's a faith that's not working life. Yes. That's what I, that's what hit me in times thinking of my life. Yeah. That's what was going on. Yes. Wasn't demonstrating Christ, but I had faith. Yes. So we we appreciate the faith, the basic faith that he breathes into us. Him. And yet when it moves in, it moves us into behavior that is performance based. Yeah. I'm gonna strive to be better. I'm going to show that I've, I've got the mantle of God on me, and I'm going to show you that I do. I'm going to work so hard through all the years to show how much faith I have. And that way, God will be pleased. So I want to be pleased. I want to please God with my life. And I want to go, I'm going to go do that ministry, take no prisoners. I'm going to go be bold in our bar ministry. Yes, I just said that. <laughs> Yes, I said that. Diet Coke and pretzels, stale and nasty Diet Coke all night. <laughs> Loving guys and just taking care of business. And I'm going to show that we're going to hit the street, and do the homeless, and go here and there. And, and I'm faithful. And I'm going to strive so I feel better. So maybe I can achieve the grace that God has for me. Maybe I can get to the point that I can experience the grace if I do well enough for my father. Am I the only one in the room on that? Jesus. See, if I see, here's what we've learned for many, many years. Here's where we're starting to get raw here. Hope we have time. Is that for many years, decades, decades, I bought, took in, 
swallowed, digested, that I'm a sinner saved by grace. What about you? How many times have you said amen to that one? Am I the only one that said amen? Yeah, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Sinner said just, yeah, God, yeah, God, forgive me. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Sinner saved by grace. What if I said that's not biblical? Amen. Amen. We learn. Take my word for it. William, you're going to share something here in a bit. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, and it's okay to, I think it's okay to reiterate it. But it's Psalm 19, is that right? Psalm 18, 19. He delights in me. Huh. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I was right in the middle of David's psalm of repentance and confession, Psalm 51, I think verse 10, don't quote me, but check it out. When I'm in my mommy, in her womb, he's giving me wisdom. Right before that, he does say, I desire honesty. I desire honesty in your heart. And yet, while you were in your mother's womb, he gave you wisdom. That sounds like a God who really likes me, sees me, and through his lens. Sinner saved by grace, has been, grace has been our lens that drives us to a faith of duty, of striving to be more, create more, be more, serve more. 76, we call it the 77 life. You've heard it, you've been with us at all. You've heard us say it before. We call it the life 77. Anybody want to take a guess? Life 77 in the church. Any guesses? You know it already. Many of us have lived it. Guilty. Okay. All right. Life 77. Church door is open. I'm there, baby. That means I'm faithful. Seven days a week. I'm there seven, seven days a week. I'm there seven. I'm there six days a week out of the seven. Oh, where were you? I've missed you. <laughs> a little bit of guilt. Maybe nobody's saying anything, but I'm feeling a little bit, man, I should be there. Oh, wait a minute. It's five out of seven. Oh, oh. You're doing okay, brother? Hey, missed you. Got a call. Four out of seven. You, you're all right. What's going on? Three out of seven. Something wrong with your faith. Are you okay? Something's wrong with your faith now. Two out of seven, for the love of God, what's wrong with you? Are, you? are you getting this? So our faith, what is it? Yes, we want faith without works is dead, but what's the basis for that? What's the basis for that in James? So this raw place of, of faith, you know, am I a sinner saved by grace? No, not based on the word that I read front to back. You check it out for yourself. I am God's son. I'm adopted. I'm his kid. We all have children and grandchildren. I'm his son. We have, they're my kids. They're my grandkids. They don't have to do to be loved. Do to be. Do to be. I call it do to be. It's, I, yes, I just said it. When Jesus went in and got dumped by John, came back out. He was announcing that God was announcing the world this time. He hadn't even done anything yet. This is my son and who I'm well pleased. He hadn't even done, he hadn't done anything yet as our Savior at that time being announced to the world. Read the context. Uh, about 30 years, he was an awesome kid. Of course he did some things. I'm saying, no, read it. Understand what the concept is here. He loves us as we are. Um, he is so gracious and I haven't to sin. I haven't to sin. I don't have to prove my worth to my dad. I don't have to prove, I don't have to strive anymore. Do you have something? 
You ready to go yet? Yeah. We're going to move into a room. We're going to ask you to evaluate you. And we call this in our mentors, and if you read the book, The Cure, you'll see it really quick. It's not our, this is not ours. It's been breathed into us by, by some cool guys and gals and, and experiences. And this is called The Room of Good Intentions. And we've been kind of looking at that in perspective of faith through God's lens. And, and that sound, the language sounds good. Yeah, I'm well intended. I'm well intended. Yeah, I want to live in the room of good intentions, but what if I said the room of good intentions Intentions drives us to the Life 77? Remember that old, remember that old show, Black and White, Route 66? Mm -hmm. Any of you? Mm -hmm. All right, it's Route 66, Life 77 <coughs> in the church. All right, so there's an alternative, but the, the, the room of good intentions, uh, intentions, it, <laughs> room of good contentions, that's good. Mm -hmm. Got to remember that one. It appears to be a life of faith. It appears to be a life of doing well. When you walk through the door and somebody says, how you doing? You got a greeter or a, a, a host or a, what, I don't know what you guys call the guys in the front that say shake their hand anymore. I, I don't know. They used to be ushers, but they're not anymore. No, that's not correct. You can't, don't call them ushers. <laughs> Greeters or whatever. <laughs> um, hello, or people. Um, <clears throat> and they say, "How you?" No, no offense. I'm playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, and they, "How you doing?" And you say, "Fine." Fine. And I say, "Fine." Good. 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 Okay. Have an awesome service. You too. God bless you. You too. Hey, what if I said, "How you doing?" And you said, "I'm crappy." Oh, okay. Hi, John. How are you doing there? <laughs> so, we move into a lifestyle of good intentions and of striving to be more, to be faithful, so we can experience grace of God in the room of good intentions, but we believe that the Church of God through time has, an, it has been an incubator for masquerading, and we didn't even know it. And the longer we live in that and in this, all of us, again, I'm just talking here, that, that mask is kind of stuck on there. And then, and then Paulette comes up and says, hey, I want to see you, and, and, and so I'm trying to take this mask off, and it won't come off, and then she reaches over and tries to take the mask off, and it's kind of, nah, I'm going to keep it, thank you. And go back to what Linda said, now we have more distance here. So I'm going to keep the mask on. It's safer this way. See, now you have your mask because of this. Going back, Linda, what you're talking about, the distance, whether it's people out in the world, or how about in our own home? I obstruct our relationship by my own mask, so you kind of evokes in you to wear a mask. And now who am I loving? Am I loving Paulette, or am I loving her mask? So who is she loving? Is she loving me or my yes. mask? Who are we loving? We had a backyard uh, uh, talk uh, a few weeks back, about a month ago. We've had a few cents. Scary talk. I said, Paulette, what, what, what is obstructing us from our Father? What, what's the obstruction? And then what is obstructing? What's your opinion? This is scary. Men, try it out. What's obstructing us? What's obstructing us? 
And we're talking about taking the mask off. We're peeling those things off and scarred up. I already have enough scars, and but there's more. And, and man, it was just, it was quite a moment. It was cool after 43, 44 years together. It was a cool mask taking off time. I want to encourage you to go there. But you live, but if you live, if you live in the room of good intentions, which is striving and being more faithful and being having life 77, something happens to you. Something happens to me. And Paulette's going to share a little thing that has happened. Okay. So <clears throat> how I clothed myself was that I clothed myself with rejection and feeling unacceptable. I needed to try harder, do more, be better to get people to try to love me. Um, you see, I really had to do in order to be loved. That's how I felt. Uh, if I didn't do enough, act just right, I wouldn't be loved. And you know what? It really seemed to prove right at every turn. Um, I'd fail, and you know, there you go again. Just proves itself right. Um, I would feel rejected and, and unlovable. And it was really because I was clothed in rejection and unacceptance. Um, it just seemed to play out, at least in my mind. And I know, you know, as I've looked back, I know exactly where I came from. I grew up in a very critical home. I know that um, it's what I learned. <laughs> it's what I learned. Um, even when I became a Christian, I became a new creature. But a lot of the same stuff, I was still wrapped. <laughs> in the grave cloths. I hadn't been freed. Um, I didn't feel like I, just enough as I was. I wore a mask of I'm okay, I'm just a quieter person, which I am, but that became an excuse for me not to engage as much, as much because then I'd have to really risk being known. And that's really hard because when you're known then you can be hurt. So I get back into the cycle. I worked hard at trying to please God, but I didn't trust him. I didn't trust that he loved me. That was huge. You see, pleasing God is a byproduct of trusting him. I want to say that again. Pleasing God is a byproduct of trusting him. I had to trust in his love of me. I had to realize my father's crazy about me. And that was hard. Um, I have as much of God as I'm going to get. I have as much of God as I'm going to get. He lives in me, and I'm in him. How much closer can I get than that? How much closer can I get than that? Okay? And sometimes I, you know, I, I can still fall back into that trap. I'm not enough. I'm not pleasing him enough. But he lives in me. I have to remind myself. He lives in me. I live in him. I have all of them I'm ever going to get. <laughs> you can't do much better than that. It's really hard to kill a lie that served me for a really long time, especially a lie I used to help me cope with my life. I had to see God right so I didn't go back to the room of good intentions. I know I'm not getting, uh, gonna always get it right, and I'm going to make mistakes um, and my unhealthy thinking, I had to write this out so I could stay on track here. Um, my unhealthy thinking will creep back in, but I also know that there are people who love me in spite of myself, who can be real, 
who I can be real with and, and are real with me. I also know I'm loved by Jesus. He walks with me every step of my journey. He's not on the other side of my sin pile, <laughs> waiting for me to get myself straightened out before he'll love me. You work on this pile here, and when you get it all cleaned up, I'll come over. You can come over to this side. Okay? He's right next to me with his arm around me, walking, telling me, let's do this together. I'm going to walk. We'll walk this junk path together. And there's a couple of scriptures that have um, really helped me. One is Psalm 18:19. His love broke open the way and brought me on into a beautiful broad place. He rescued me because his delight is in me. And then I have to clothe myself with Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And this is from the Passion Translation, which is an, an amazing translation. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine in love in all its various expressions. This love is revealed through joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Limitless. So I had to face the room of good intentions. And God showed me that, uh, and through our, through our new mentors, really, um, can't wait to, meet, wait to meet these guys face to face, um, that, that I had to come to grips with something. And that was my heart. That, wait a minute, I thought I was walking in freedom. And in, in a, lot of, a lot of areas I have been. God has been faithful. It's by his grace only. And I'm grateful for the, the growth. I'm grateful for the maturing process, for, for the awareness, grateful for his word, grateful for a number of things, grateful for, on this earth for, first and foremost, Paulette, who's endured a lot with me, in spite of me. And, and he showed me something, that, that it's time to leave the room of striving, the time of, to leave the room of, of being good enough, good behavior, and face a couple things. But something very serious happened in the, on the way out of that room, the emotional, spiritual room, that I didn't know I was in. I really didn't. I thought I was good. I really did. I thought I was doing it. This age, this time, this season, we're in our last uh, quarter of ministry, if, I'd say the last 10 minutes of the quarter, and that's okay, it's a good thing. You know, we're in the, but that's when it's the best. Best party in football games, last 10 minutes. I'm thinking, all right, let's go. It's time. So, so it's time to time to get out of that that room of striving, and and take the mask off and be gut real. Where do we start? Wherever, wherever it's right, good timing. And he showed me this along with Paulette's. We kind of were experiencing this side by side and didn't even know it because we really hadn't engaged in the conversation yet. You know, the obstruction conversation under the apple tree in our backyard. And uh, uh, he showed me that I'm a man of fear. I have been a man of fear, walking in fear. There's my confession out loud, emotionally naked with you for the first time publicly ever in my 60, however many years I've been around. See, I, I think I'm pushing 64. Is that right? Yeah, I did say, without, 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 without
<laughs> you think you'd arrive. We don't. I'm so excited about this because he showed me. He put. I was driving down the road talking to him, and it was in Bremerton, down 303, and I was talking about a, a trauma that we went through some, some time ago. Been working through it over a period of time, and uh, it's quite a struggle. Quite, quite like I want to quit struggle again. I'd like to say I had more, more strength and more, you know, in me. But every once in a while, you get that Elijah moment, First Kings 19, where you want to find a cave and disappear. Anybody else, please? Say, I'm about done. I'm kind of tapped out on this one. God, I've had enough. There's been too many hits through the time, through years and work. I just, but God, can I just arrive? Can I just be there and be retired? He said, No, son. No, no. There's a lot more to do. He said, Okay, then talk to me. I want to kick this door in and take care of some business. He said, No, just stop, son. Just, just be quiet. I want. That. I can do a lot more than you can ever do. And I say, Okay, Dad, gotcha. He says that. And he said, I want to show you something. Okay, show me. Now this is going on. Driving down 303 in Bremerton on Puget Sound. Just driving down. Me and God, my Diet Coke there, and I'm trying not to get hit or hit anybody. Just having this conversation. And, and, and he says, I want to show you something about you. I said, what is that? He says, I want you to get out of this room. What room? He said, the room of fear. I'm, just, I'm not afraid. I'll go to any dark town, dark street, dark alley. I don't care. It's not about me. It's about a soul. It's about that person. Let's go down to Colony 89 in the middle of the night. I don't care. People are dying. Let's go help them. I'm not afraid. He said, son. I want to get you out. I started defending. Do you remember Elijah? Do you remember he started defending himself that he was the only one? I have so much zeal. He said it twice, a couple times to God. In the cave, you know, in the tree, in the cave, wherever he was at. He was saying, I, I've got more zeal. I'm ready to go. And where's everybody else? And, you know, he's kind of, we talk about him being depressed, but he was arrogant. Well, Elijah was arrogant during that. Time. We forget that. That was me. It has been. I don't want that to be. I'm sure I'll return. And God, God showed me, son, I want to take you out of that room of fear that you've been in for years. What a year? What are you talking about, son? I know where you came from. I know what you endured. I was with you the whole time. And you don't have to do it anymore. You don't have to prove that you're okay. You don't have to prove to me that I love you. You don't have to prove to me how I'm going to see you. I already see you as my son. I love you. I sent my son for you in your place. You're mine. Not to worry anymore. You don't have to run anymore. You don't have to try so hard anymore. I love you, son. You don't have to be afraid. And I didn't realize for years, I didn't realize the enemy of my soul had been nipping at my heels. Abuse will do that to you. Oh, come on. It's 63 plus years down the road. The abuse has stopped. Uh, not nah, if you're in the room of good intentions and striving to be what you ain't. Striving to be something, whatever. To make sure God loves you and you're okay and you got the mask on so people can think you're okay. And appear you're okay, appear that you're okay. You can be a pro, be the workshop guy, you can be the counselor dude, you can minister the gospel. And yeah, see, you got it. You got the right clothing on. You know how to do it. Son, I love you. Maybe you've already got it, folks. Maybe you already got it. I'm just a little late, I guess. And I would suggest this. And he talked to me. I want to show you a new room. It's a room of grace. And you walk into that room, and you're just loved. 
and you can say, you can ask me the question. How are you? My life sucks. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's okay. and I'm going to run down the litany of stuff of why it does. Mm -hmm. And then a guy, a voice in the back of the room says what? But he won't take a guess. Yeah, I got it too. Welcome. <laughs> Is that all you got? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you what I got. Let me tell you what I got. Huh. What if we walked into this room next Sunday and said, somebody said, how you doing, stinks? And somebody back over here said, tell us about it. It's just loud. Everybody's saying it. I'm not suggesting you do that because you just got to, the church will kick you out. <laughs> but what if we did what if we did it stinks here's my litany now what should I leave now should I go back to the room of good intentions where it's safe are you getting this folks for your heart so he's showing me uh uh he says this in Isaiah this is what he showed me but now Andy Listen to the Lord who created you, Paulette. It says old Paulette, but I won't say that. I'll say Paulette. The one, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Think, wow, I don't have to be afraid anymore. Then he, then he took me a little bit further in Isaiah 43, and I'll paraphrase this. I'm kind of being conscious of time here, folks. Um, he, he, he goes down to lower down. He showed me in Isaiah. This is all in one moment. He showed me in the car, Isaiah 43. I'm driving. I don't have the scripture in front of me. He's just showing it to me. I mean, probably just going rattling in my head. I've read it before. I haven't memorized it. Just going through my mind, going through my spirit. It's, I'll be dark. A song comes on the radio, about kills me. It lines up with Isaiah 43. And I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh. So he's going to take me through the river, through, through the Red Sea again. You've got the walls of, 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 the, of the ocean, the Red Sea on one side and the other. And I'm talking about our life circumstances, folks. It doesn't say that in Isaiah 43. I'm telling you what God has shown me for us in the church. We got walls of, of, of sea here, a wall of sea there. We've got these walls, and they're threatening to crash. They're making noise. They're not just not a nice steel lake in the middle, you know, middle of the night. I don't believe that for a second. I think they were turbulent, and they're just kind of there. And and we're kind of walking through this journey, and we got the enemy of our soul nipping at our heels. We got the Egyptians wanting to take us out. Now adrenaline may be so high for the people running through that they weren't feeling it. I don't know. I'm just thinking me. I'm just being self-centered. If I saw those things, I'd be running fast. I'd be like, oh my gosh, we're, we're toast. And the guys behind me want to kill me. Well, the enemy of my soul, John 10.10 10 says it, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't want to hurt the ministry. He doesn't want me to quit. He wants to off me and you. So we got that, that there. They're nipping behind me. I'm talking about fear, folks. And God showed me. He says he's going to take me right through that to the other side. And what happened to the Egyptians? They were swallowed up. But folks, on that drive, 
You know, doesn't that happen in the war room? Yeah, sure, of course. Your living room, worship, class, a prayer retreat? Yes. That didn't happen to me that way. Mm-hmm. It happened to me. I'm driving down there. I think I was going to the gym on the way there. That he showed me he crashed the waves down on my fear, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's gone. I'm talking about in a moment. Amen. And I appreciate the retreats. I appreciate all the work, the discipleship, the word, the prayer. I appreciate it. But in one second, when we're ready, if we're doing our work, what will he do for you and me? What will he do? And he'll take us out of that room. And he says, now forget all that. Forget all the fear that has crippled you for years. Time to take off the mask of fear and just be who you are. And people are going to be with you or they're not. So go share the message. Then he says, now forget all of that. Forget all the fear, the storms of life, all the hell that's come against you, all the bull, fill in the blank, that has come against you, and you're tired of it. Time to take the rocks out of your backpack, leave them on the side of the road, and be who God has called you to be. Then he goes on, he had the audacity to go on further in Isaiah 43, and rattle it in my spirit again, he didn't have it. Again, I wasn't reading the Bible, folks. I wasn't reading the Bible. He said, forget all that. There's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. All that you've been through. Amen. Nothing compared. For I'm about to do something new. Brother and sister, Dave and... And, and Kindles. <laughs> I just know Kindles. He put you on my heart. I've been tracking you. Yes. <laughs> Through Ronnie, <laughs> Joey, just giving tabs, just hearing great things, and I, he put me on you on my heart last night, and this is, and I want, I want to, I want to share this out from our heart to you, for he's doing something, about to do something new. I think he's already birthed it in you that he's going to be doing even more than he's been doing, and you got your eyes on something, and and your eyes are lifted up, and he sees the faith of your heart. And I'm not talking about striving faith. I'm talking about deep internal faith and the healing work that that God has done, that he's going to elevate for his purpose because you're, um, you're, you're, you're down low with him. Therefore, he can trust to elevate you to share your life with many that you've never met before. So he's doing a new thing. He's going to do something even newer than you can even imagine. And he gave me um, uh, Ephesians 3.20 for you that he's going to do more than you can ask or imagine according to the power that lives inside of you. So I know he's already been speaking to you. I'm just confirming to you that. And I just wanted to piggyback the encouragement that we've received out here. Don't really know yet, but I just know when he speaks to me, I got to share it with you. And I want to encourage you. There's a word. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God has made the promise. God has made the promise to you. We're sharing with you. Not, we're sharing our story. That, that I've, I've been gripped with fear for 63 years and didn't know it. And I've been wearing all kinds of clothing to cover it. And I'm asking you, what kind of clothing have you been wearing to cover your fill-in-the-blank that's trying to stop you from being all that God can, is calling you to be? And he's going to do it by you living in the room of grace, not the room of strife. Are you willing to strip all those clothes off that causes you to hide, has caused me to hide, us to hide, through shame, guilt, condemnation, all the fears, all the stuff. 
He wants you to do It's a new day. There's a prophetic word for this class this morning, Isaiah 43, especially for a couple of people directly. And and I want to, we're just going to bring this to you. I don't know if I've left anything out. It's all I got. Um, so you all you got? Is that it? And our time's up. So. And our time's up. And so um, I can keep going forever and you'd be walking out, be bored to death probably. So we want to make sure our heart comes through to you. And by judging it, some of your faces, you're getting it. Some of you are saying, what's this guy talking about? Um, just listen. Please listen. Please listen to what he's saying to you. What kind of clothes are you wearing? What are you ready to take off? And put him on, as Paulette was sharing, put him on. The clothes of compassion, clothes of kind, the clothes, cloth, clothes of, of, of kindness, humility, gentleness. Make patience. You mentioned patience earlier. Make an allowance for one another's faults. Forgiveness. You wearing the clothes of bitterness? Are you? Am I? Are you? Walking around with contempt, stonewalling people in your life. I know some people in here. You're stonewalling. You're stonewalling people. You ready to do something about that? Take that hat off. That glove off. Gloves. And uh, forgive and be grateful. All eight of those things are really, that, that's, those are pretty good clothes to wear. So we're not perpetuating the garden. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for hanging in. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you. Pray for you. Great to meet you. Maybe we'll see you again. I don't know. I don't know. God bless. Thanks. So he's safe to presume, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Isa, come here. Come on. God is asking us, our dad is asking us. For what I just asked Isa for. See how readily she can. I really appreciate what you said. Come out of the room of good intentions. The we have I don't think we have a good concept of just how close our dad wants to be with us. Speechless, um, let God talk. Let Him talk to you. So Father, as we close out today, Lord, we know your presence is here. We know your word was spoken. Lord, help it shine a light on the door that we need to go into, the light that we need to live in, the light of your grace, the light of your love, the light of your empowerment. I ask, Lord Father, for you to bless Andy and Paula in matters that they have not yet even begun to experience. And Lord, as we go out this week, help us to look through your eyes. Help us to see with your heart. And help us to live with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.
general information. We're changing rooms next week. Uh, oh, we are? Yes. Are we going? <laughs> we're going to be meeting across the way in 102, 103 um, next week. Um, so we'll put aside for the store for a few weeks. Is that a permanent? Yes. It will be a permanent change. It's going to be a larger room, and we'll actually have a table, so maybe we can start running snacks. Okay. All right. Rolling thunder. The rolling thunder. The stampede. Love you guys. Bye. Tie your shoes.